again, and welcome to another episode of Human Rights Magazine. My guest in this episode of the Pathways to Peace series is Agnes Kalimau, the well-known human rights expert who is now Secretary General of Amnesty International. She's had many roles, including that of UN Special Rapporteur on Extrajudicial, Summary, or Arbitrary Executions from 2017 to 2021. To begin our conversation, since the theme of this series is peace, I asked her thoughts about conflict. There are new conflicts, there are many old conflicts. The vast majority, unfortunately, of the conflicts are protracted. There is rarely uh, an end to them or they come back. You know, that is a reality of our, of the environment right now. There are an increased number of so-called international internal conflicts, and um, very few of them right now are are, are getting towards a peaceful, um, quick resolution. Something that I have observed as a human rights activist, something that I have, have found working with um, Amnesty International over the last almost 10 months now. The other thing I can say about conflict is that uh, over the last year or so, the, um, the, uh, the lack of global interest in uh, bringing the pandemic, COVID-19 pandemic, to an end has meant that in many countries in of the world, the, um, the drivers for conflict have been fed and watered, I will say, whether it's um, uh, rising poverty, food insecurity, repression of instrumentalization of government by government of COVID. So all of that is uh, creating, I would say, the, um, the graph, the fertile ground for future conflict or, and I'm not talking about very far away conflict. That's certainly something that we have noticed at Amnesty um, at International, the proliferation of third-party intervention, proliferation of non-state actors involved uh, in, uh, in conflict, there have been a few interstate conflicts, but they remain the minority. Most of them are the point I've just described. They are internal, but with an international dimension. You know, that is the reality of, um, of our environment and the, you know, the multiplication of human rights violations in the context of, um, There has been some discussion in this podcast series about failure of governments to protect human rights and and the social order. Do you agree that there's been a failure of government? If we are talking about the last um, decade and certainly the last few years, then yes, the uh, human rights situation around the world is deteriorating largely because governments are failing to take um, the necessary actions and have just 
given you the example of COVID, which is a typical um, example of how as an international community, states who can do something, who can protect uh, rights because of their influence or money, uh, fail to do so and are planting the seeds for greater instability. I've mentioned the fact that domestically, the vast majority of countries around the world have instrumentalized the pandemic to curtail freedom of expression and um, uh, and protest. We at our, uh, Amnesty International have um, just done a quick um, quick survey, in fact, of the, how governments have failed. Uh, in terms of the protecting of the distinct innocent, what we have uh, found is that the majority of the country have adopted laws that curtail freedom of expression, freedom of assembly, and so on, uh, in ways that are violating international law. You know, freedom of the media. Is being uh, under attack either because of government censorship uh, or because of the um, uh, monopoly practice and of, uh, of some media owners who tend to grab different media outlets or different um, forms of uh, media. So the diversity of the of the media is certainly um, at at here at the moment, you know, uh, right to health, I've already mentioned in the aftermath of um, the 2008 financial uh, crisis, and governments have withdrawn from investing into public health. And that has now implications for our inability to uh, address. Um, uh, the pandemic did certainly until uh, until very recently. I mean, these are just a few examples, but you know, at the principal level, at um, at the meta level, human rights protection has decreased. The capacity or the willingness of states to respect rights has decreased, and I think that in an outcome that you can probably conclude is global. So yes, I will agree with your previous uh, speakers on their uh, assessment. In fact, in my view, the situation is so alarming that I have compared it to the 1930s in the previous century. And I've, I've said, in fact, I'm not the only one to have said so, by the way, um, that we seem to be moving steadily towards an ending. And I don't know whether we will have the capacity, the willingness, or the institution to avoid falling into it. My hope is that we can move around it. My hope is that we will not be a repeat 
of the 1930 generation. My hope is that we will be more like a 1948 generation, the one that came up with the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. But, you know, I think uh, right now, the journey doesn't look very good in terms of the direction. How do we respond? How can a response be developed? Can there be a response within the international institutions, within the UN system, the financial institutions, or is there a role for corporations? And finally, really, where do we fit as citizens? The key role here is for us, the people, citizen or not citizen. Because if we don't do something, who will? So I am, you know, I'm I'm personally optimistic in uh, my uh, belief in people. I think they are terrible individuals, human beings, uh, and they are certainly very worrying uh, organized groups at the moment. Uh, but at heart, I like to think that if given a choice, so if given a space, people will make, uh, um, you know, will go for the option that have dignity and human rights. I'm uh, hopeful when I see uh, people getting organized, when I see young people demonstrating, when I see young people uh, as young as uh, 12, 13, protesting against uh, climate injustice. I'm hopeful when I see how brave the people of Myanmar or Iraq or Sudan are when they march and confront um, armed soldiers who do not hesitate to shoot and to arrest. So I'm very hopeful uh, in the, you know, the courage that, uh, that there is within our, every society in uh, I'm, uh, I'm hopeful too when I see the imagination and the creativity that people would put into responding to the repression or uh, to organizing themselves, how they use the environment, the social media, and you know every tool at their disposal to dream about the world. I think that there are also people within the private sector and who can and will be working alongside civil society. I, I know, for instance, that our colleagues at Oxfam have just uh, released a very uh, important report on inequality, and they have received support from ultra-rich individuals. What said we want to pay taxes, we want to be on the on the right side. We don't want to be um you know escaping our responsibility, including uh, fiscal and financial. So there are people like that. There are people in the private sector who know that we cannot be uh, continuing that uh, endless search for profit and greed that uh, shareholders cannot be determining public policies, that there need to be far more to 
our position on climate change and our position on China, our position on on other methods than those being imposed by um, corporate actors and their shareholders. You know, there is a realization of that within the private sector. There is a realization that we need to work with a strong state able to mitigate the uh, negative impact of um, the liberal market economy right now and the instability, the insecurity that it has created for many people around the world. I think there is increasing realization that we as societies must find ways of embedding uh, a universal income of certain social protection within our uh, society as a way of um, protecting against the worst impact of um, globalization, COVID, and um, you know whatever artificial intelligence, robotics, and um, and uh, the, the the move towards uh, a different kind of um, economy, a green economy. All of that needs to be taken into account, and so that we need to add, you know, public policy that are centered on the human, that are centered on their rights, and that are prepared to invest to mitigate the worst applications of the, our system. So I, I, I am hopeful that there is a great deal of energy to build a better path. Um, there is also a great deal of energy to, um, you know, to force the world into uh, further conflict, armament trades, economic models that are putting all of the focus on what shareholders can get, deindustrialization, delocalization, you know, increasing um, food poverty, water scarcity. So, you know, we have a lot to do in order to respond to those very powerful individual forces that's how pushing us in the wrong direction. Well, thank you very much for taking time to speak with me today. Was there anything else you wish to add before we close up? Maybe the only thing I would add is for people to to rise up to the challenge. You know, we are not powerless. These are the um, corporate actors. We are not powerless vis-a-vis historical forces related to climate change. We can change that. We can shift it. We can mitigate it. We can demand better protection and better rights. It's with us to do that. It's with us to take action, to um to speak up uh in in uh, you know public um public meetings uh, on, on social media. We can speak up against racism. We can speak up against uh, anti-Semitism, against, anti, against uh, Islamophobia. We can 
you know, we have that capacity still in, in us in many societies, not all. In some places, to speak up will get you to jail or worse. But where we can do that safely, then we have no excuse for not doing it because there are too many people around the world who can't. And it is incumbent upon us who have the capacity, who have the means, who have the resources to stand up, to speak up, and to defend. Thank you for listening to this episode of Human Rights Magazine. The podcast is brought to you by the Upstream Journal. I invite you to consider supporting the program and the magazine with a contribution through PayPal as you explore other episodes.